Yeah, 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 yeah. Rock and roll bedtime stories exist to set uh, straight the rumor and innuendo you hear about your favorite bands and favorite songs. You email the show at wearethestoryguys at gmail.com, and we are checking the mail. Mail. Oh, we get mail. mail. We get mail. I'm ripping off a letter. Who over uh, here likes so- to send the mail? <laughs> We did get a letter from Ronnie Gunnels. Uh, he's actually sent us a few, and he and he said, uh, you should check out the story of Roy Head. And I wasn't sure when I got it the first time, and I was like, Roy Head? Okay. And then I placed it aside, and then persistence pays off. He sent another note a few months later, and he said, I still love the show, but I wish you guys would look into the story of Roy Head. Do you know who Roy Head is? No. Okay. I know he has I know he's got one big hit. He had one big hit and it goes like this. <laughs> he's not doing a lot of singing on this track. But he does. And he's really known for his dance moves. So he's a white guy in the 50s who comes out and dances very interestingly. I'll put stuff in the show notes, but you got to see his dancing. There's not a lot of clips of him. There's just a few. She's going to love you if you just treat her right. Okay, so first things first. Does that song sound familiar at all? Sort of. Like uh, it's sort of. There's like songs that are kind of similar. Well, you've heard right? it. You've heard it in two important places. So okay, the first one is in the opening sequence of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Quentin, oh, Quentin Tarantino's okay. most recent full length. Um, he uses that in the opening, and then that not performed by Roy Head, but that song, Treat Her Right, is in another very important music movie that I don't think you and I have ever talked about, but I'm very interested to know if you, uh, what your opinion of it is, but it's, from 1991, it's The Commitments. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I watched that movie, but man, I did. such a good movie. I haven't seen it since then, though. They do the whole thing, just like you just heard the Roy Head version. They they really do all of the noises he does and everything else. But it's really interesting. So the story on Roy Head, he died uh, end of last year, back in September. And he was um, really known for... Uh, this 1965 song called Treat Her Right. Um, it reached number two on both the Billboard Hot 100 and the R&B chart in 1965. Wow. All it, right. It was kept out of the top pop spot only by Yesterday by the Beatles. <laughs> Of course. Right? And so it's crazy, right? So he's he's number two to the Beatles, and then he disappears from history. Just straight up disappears. Um, when he died, even Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top came out and said he was a rock and soul, quote, rock and soul phenomenon who had been one of our early and continuing inspirations. And if you listen to that song, you can kind of go, close your eyes and go, oh, yeah, 
I hear the ZZ Top in this, right? Yeah, it's Rockabilly 65. So he ends up right? getting in the Rockabilly Hall of Fame. <laughs> really? That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he really is known for what he calls, and I'm just, you know, again, parlance of the time, a wiggling and a giggling. Um, he, he was very much about coming out on stage in, in a suit because it was the, the late 50s, early 60s, and just doing these dance moves that there there people will say were similar to James Brown now stop hard stop I want to be very careful about even saying that out loud right saying that a white guy invented James Brown no that is not what I'm saying but I will say that he kind of said it Roy, Roy Head claims that he was kicked off a tour by James Brown for being too good of a dancer. Oh, man. That's some that's a bold claim in some balls, some brass balls to say it out loud. It's a really, really bold claim. And he only had two more songs reach the top 40 before he dropped out of sight as a charting artist. And then he turns to country music. So I was kind of interested if you knew his turn in country music. So he does this rockabilly thing and is on the charts in 65. In the 70s, he ends up with two top 10 hits on the Canadian country chart. That's a lot of qualifiers. Whoa, me. I didn't know. <laughs> and uh, he continues to play festivals all the way up until uh, 2016. Holy cow. No, really? no, 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 no. He continued to perform until last year. He had a stroke in 2016, recovered, and continued to do some performances, playing at places like Ponderosa Stomp. So he put out an album in 2011. Unbelievable. So here's the other interesting wrinkle in this story. Part of the reason he has come back into the consciousness is because he had a son named Sundance. Well, what a, I've never thought about that being a name of a child. It's way too late for my boys and downstairs. <laughs> and I could never imagine having a son. But Sundance is a Sundance head, by the way. It's yeah. a weird name. So yeah, anyway, you may have heard of Sundance head in 2007. Um. He was a contestant on American Idol, and he made it to the semifinals. You lost me at two things there. Contestant American <laughs> Idol. But keep going, though, because this is interesting that the guy has his son that clearly it, has it gets, talent. It gets more interesting. So that's in 2007. Later, now, now remember what I said. He only gets to the semifinals. He eventually wins the voice. Oh, the the thing where they turn around the that show. The yes, other the one. other the, the after American Idol. So he does another his his son does another uh, singing show, and he wins that one. He's on Blake Shelton's team, and he wins. I believe it's 2013, but I may have to go back and look. Is he a country artist? I guess. Yeah. Okay. Ish. M- much like his dad, and okay, so. The list of folks back to back to back to Daddyo. The list of folks that have covered "Treat Her Right," George Thorogood, Barbara Mandrell, Johnny oh. Thunders, yes, and Springsteen's even been known to cover it in concert. Um, I, I want to hear Johnny Thunders. <laughs> and you're in it's luck not- because here it is. Get out. 
fact that think about it think about the trio of people you mentioned that it could have covered a song johnny thunders barbara mandrell and the boss there is nothing there is no other thing like that in music i I gotta say you know if if that's all i was able to do was to put one song into the universe but the boss covered it in concert it was that good I'd, i'd probably be pretty happy about that I'd be happy if Barbara Mandrell covered it. I mean, you know, I mean, Johnny Thunders is kind of neat, but like nothing had happened in after that. But like, oh, uh, well, can we, can we talk about other uh, important musical folks who have passed on from our lives? Uh, we lost a Supreme last week. Yeah, we lost Mary. Yeah. What, what was your relationship with the Supremes? Um, I remember, uh, as a kid there were lots of motown music i guess growing up yeah. and but but like i i listened to i mean i mean it's clear like i listened to hair metal right but once i became uh the theater guy in, in high school whatever like we did we did the thing where we do the review and we do motown songs yeah and it was then that i became familiar with like the whole canon of all the supreme stuff so for for me it was my my dad was a minister we've talked about this before and i was not allowed to listen to new things right but old things were okay so we would drive around we would run errands on the weekends or whatever and there was this period of time where because he was a minister and if he was like this just happens with with ministers sometimes you need something and the congregation will take care of you, right? The people in the church. So there was a time where he needed a car and this other family in the church was like, Oh, we have a car. You can, you can drive around for a while. Um, and so for like a couple years, there was a 1978 convertible red Volkswagen bug that he drove around. What? <laughs> yeah. And so I have these specific memories of driving around, uh, in this bug with the, because I will tell you, it was miserable to be in that car with my little brother. It, when the, when it was up it was awesome when it was down but it was awful when it was up because it was just tiny and so cramped right but I, I was probably i don't know 11 12 and driving around in this volkswagen bug listening to uh wrka a station we both later worked for um and, and learning all these motown songs and learning you know along with the beatles and with other things but but really just knowing that there was this like specific sound this sound they, they, this is what a certain decade sounded like to me right yeah. um and really just just falling in love with all of that stuff in the Phil Spector Wall of Sound stuff. All the while on the leather seats of this 1978 cherry red Volkswagen Buck <laughs> with, with, with the top down. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you read the story of Diana and, and Mary and just, it was filled with not as much tragedy as a lot of those Motown stories, but definitely by the end, there was this whole kerfluffle around trying to launch tours and who was in a, a big reunion tour. Oh, Do you remember yeah. this whole thing? Yeah, it was all, it was all a big mess. Um, they ended yeah. up never doing it because they could never, I think Diana did it with some of the later members, but they could never get the original group back together because they all started to like peek at each other's paychecks. <laughs> Everyone was like, why is, you know, why is Mary getting offered this? And you know, other people are getting offered this. And it was just, it was a real music industry, music business, stereotypical mess. Yeah. And you know, he, she was like a teenager when she met Barry Gordy. 
Mary Wells was. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And, and that stuff, I mean, that happens now, you know, with, but it's like, you know, it's manufactured pop music. I mean, right. for their, like in that case, like, you know, she's in a studio, like singing for him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know it's not like, uh, there's stuff that's manufactured or, or whatever, but, um, she did my guy, right? Yeah. She did that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was significant, and so I, I hope that other people really paid attention to uh, to that. But um, she, you know, she was overshadowed completely, um, which is a drag, um, you know, by Diana Ross. And, and then, she, and then she spent the latter half of her career uh, doing things like trying to get the Truth and Music Advertising Act passed. Do you remember this oh, whole thing? No, 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 no. No, I didn't know that. So it was legislation uh, adopted into state law by most U.S. states that aims to protect the trademark of musical recording artists. Um, the legislation provides that the name of a famous musical group cannot be used by a group of performers unless they include at least one member of the original group. You think she had any reason to want to do this? Yeah. Okay. And you know who she co-authored it with? John Bowser uh, Bauman from Shanana. <laughs> oh, isn't that weird? <laughs> it is weird. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like, it's strange that Shanana has, it's a footnote in anything. But, like, in 69 and 70, they were doing, they were doing dates with, with, <laughs> with Janis Joplin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. An airplane, you know. Well, I and, mean, back to this Roy Head thing, right? It's like, we have this vision of once you have an impact, you have a certain level of fame. That's not really necessarily how it happens. A lot of times you can have a massive amount of impact and very little long lasting fame. And whether or not your fame sticks around really has a, I mean, it's weird. It has a lot to do with a, with a lot of things that usually aren't in your control. Yeah. And um, the fact that Roy Head has this song that is so transcendent is just amazing to me. I know. Um, I know. It's crazy. And Ronnie Gunnels, I, thank you for that note. I, I'm thank right. you, Ronnie, for thank, that. Thank you for listening. And if you have anything like that, like if, you're, if you've got something where you just think more people should know about it, I mean, let us know, man. I, this is we, – we love this stuff. Even if we weren't making this podcast, I would call Murdoch and be like, dude, do you know who Roy Head is? We would, be, we would literally trade 25 text messages about that later tonight if we weren't going to meet up and talk about it in this way. So we do appreciate it. I have two final notes we have to talk about before we go. Um, so here's one of them. Number one. They're both modern or, or, or uh, newish music stuff that has a connection to the past. One is, have you seen the cover art to the new Lady Gaga record? I get confused every time I see it. Um, no. So it looks like metal <laughs> that's why i bring it up it, it's super metal looking and so i literally the other day was like i need to hear this is she doing metal now because that doesn't seem weird to me if she just turned out a metal record i'd be totally into it um right it's not metal it sounds just like all her other stuff but the cover art is very interesting check it out uh, the second thing a new musical release hearkening to the past how much time have you spent with the new foo fighters record medicine at midnight um, I skipped through every track on Friday when it came out. And so I spent about 
45 seconds with each track. So let me tell you how much time I've spent with it. So much time that my son and I sat down to play a board game yesterday and I said, hey, I'm going to turn some music on. What do you want to listen to? And he said, dad, respectfully, anything is fine, but can we not do the new Foo Fighters record right now? Because that's literally all we've listened to for a week. And I said, fair enough. Um, So it is a Molly Hatchet record or like a ZZ Top record. I don't know. I, I don't think we didn't see this coming. Like there's always been a little bit of this like Foo Fighters could turn into a 70s rock act, but like... they have fully done it on this. It's nine quick tracks. It's like 30 minutes long. It slams and jams. And I got to say, I like it. Like I, I, the first three or four listens, I was like, do I like this? But, uh, I definitely do. And really, I'm just to the point in my life where Dave Grohl can really do no wrong. I mean, I have a picture of Dave Grohl in the original Nirvana lineup that was on 1991 Spin magazine when they knocked Michael Jackson off the Billboard charts. It, it's behind me in this podcasting studio, so clearly I'm a fan. But it is just, I'm going to leave you with this. This is the first track on the record, and just wait for like the choir backing vocals to kick in on this. It's my favorite song on the record, and it's called Making a Fire. And uh, I'm into it, dude. It's really, really, really good. saw the choir girls on Stern and I was confused. Yeah, man. It's uh it's something. I saw one of the Foo Fighters first shows. Can you guess which number show your pal saw? Of theirs? Yes. 10. A little higher? 20? A little lower. Oh, 15? Yeah, I saw the 15th show at the 40 watt in Athens. And they were the first band was uh, Eddie Vedder's band Hovercraft with his wife, and Eddie had on a, a wig and sunglasses, and it was like like a lot of instrumental, like there wasn't a lot of vocals. When <clears throat> and, was this, uh, like 96? 95. Okay. And then the, the middle band was, hey, my name's Dave Grohl, this is the Foo Fighters. So, Sunny Day Real Estate, two guys, Pat Smear, Dave Grohl. Yeah. Uh, and the headliner was Mike Watt. So, they were, they were doing the van tour with, with Mike Watt. And so, uh, I was there because I was there with a Columbia Records guy. So, of all the people I get to hang out with after the show, I hang out with Mike Watt just totally weird like it's just weird. hilarious to me that there was a time where you went to a show and Foo Fighters opened for Mike Watt yeah and and I was stuck kind of behind a banister and I was like this is Nirvana light this kind of sucks like I didn't like that first Nirvana that first Foo Fighters record uh what my thing man do you I how do you say, feel about them now we really don't talk about them much I love them and I love them all, like the more they put out and the more the older I get the more I love them and and I disagree completely. That's not my thing. But I will say, like, Everlong is better than any Nirvana song. So Valentine's Day, I made Everlong Island Iced Teas out of my Rock Cocktails book that I got for Valentine's Day. And let me tell you, those LITs were LIT. They were delicious. <laughs> you made LITs. How funny. By the way, I learned how to play. I learned how to play Everlong all the, on guitar, like, 
except for the solo and and man it is oh my you don't understand how much fun i'm having anyway um yeah so i got to hang out with mike watt and he was super cool and i don't know why we started talking about motley crew <laughs> because well, all did. conversations with you end up you talking about motley crew murdoch yeah, that's literally what happens yeah. and and so so we're so we're talking about Molly Crew. I'm talking about Molly Crew with Mike Watt. He used to be in the Minutemen, and and he's like, man, those guys in Molly Crew are all right. Because I've hung out with it. They're all cool. He goes, and he goes, except for that Mick Mars guy. They tell him what to dress like and what to play and whatever. You know. And, but it's funny to me, like now looking back on it, like making fun of Mick Mars. And like how he, he was like the much older guy that's in the band. To me, he's like the, easily the most talented guy that ever yeah. was in the band. Yeah. Um, like now listening to it, it's like, eh, that's kind of the ringer in the whole band was that guy. Um, was that older dude, that older weird guy. But yeah, anyway, so I saw show number 15. Wow. Wow. And they're going to be in, they're going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Totally weird. That's that makes it so that makes me feel very old <laughs> fair enough yeah rock and roll bedtime story send us an email let us know what you want to talk about we are the story guys at gmail.com and until next time keep telling stories yeah.